Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and Class Open Session. I'm Pure Scott. The Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I am joined by Jennifer Menendez. How are you doing today, Jennifer? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on because you've got such a cool story and so many different things to discuss and so many passions. So I, I couldn't help but bring you on. We've known you. You've known my wife for how long? Probably 20 years or more? Um, a little bit less. So a little bit pretty less. much as soon as I met my husband, then I met Jeff, your brother-in-law, and then I met your wife. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. Maybe I'm 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 giving my age to her. <laughs> so around 2005. She's younger than me. Around 2005. Right. So Jennifer came on today because she had some uh, topics that she's very passionate about. And she has a podcast. Why don't you tell everybody what your Jennifer podcast Hernandez. name is? That's Simple, very. right? If you're, look, if you're looking for her podcast, that's how you brand it. You use your name. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I love right. it. Right. So, you know, you've you've seen the Tragedy Academy. You've heard the Tragedy Academy before. And uh, we like to approach people's lives and, and what they've gone through to obtain those goals while also surviving and thriving and things like that. So... What I wanted to uh, bring everybody here today to listen about was you had uh, talked about a couple of different things that you'd gone through, and I wanted to kind of start off with something that's uh, a little near and dear to my heart, and that's the caregiver piece for your mother um, and the survivor of breast cancer. My mother currently has uh, has cancer as well, and she's uh, been battling that for some time. So um, that's very near and dear to my heart, and uh, I wanted to let you share about that because I, I see all these amazing pictures and stories about your mom. And I need to hear a few because they make me happy. <laughs> oh, my mom. She was amazing. She was a teacher. So I told her before she passed that she would just be teaching in heaven. And we were hoping that the good Lord was not a Ohio State Buckeye fan because my mom is a big time Michigan Wolverine fan. So that was kind of the joke that that we had more towards <laughs> the end. But um, so she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in January of 2010. And the biggest downfall was that she never wanted to be a burden to anybody. So she waited and waited way too long. And in fact, the tumor was protruding from her chest. That's how bad that it was. And she still refused to acknowledge that it was cancerous. And the reason why was because when her and I were, were roomies, I was in my 20s, she was in her 40s, and she had a biopsy by a not-so-great or professional doctor, and he did not numb her all the way. So when he did the biopsy, it made her sick for about two days. And that mm. just left a horrendous mark on her where she just felt so bad that I had to take care of her for those two days. And she didn't want anybody to ever have to take care of her. She was the caregiver. She was the one that always took care of me and watched over me and took care of everybody else, including her students. So when she was diagnosed um, in January 2010 with stage three, she had the chemo cocktail. She was kicking butt with everything. She was doing really good. And the doctors had talked to me and informed me on the side that the prognosis in the long run was probably not going to be one that I wanted to know and one that mom would want to know either. Um, but I did right. ask them to always be honest with me, but because my mom waited for so long, it was one of those that she was going to have a very difficult and upward battle. So it was about... June of 2011, which is right around the time that um, my twins were born, then she actually went into remission. And she had a year of remission where she actually, it was like having my mom back. It was awesome. I mean, she just, she had her energy, her hair came back. She was still, you know, going through treatments here and there, but she was just 
kicking butt, taking names, doing an awesome job with school, with being a grandma, which is what she always wanted to do. I'm, I'm her only child. Can I slide in here of real course, quick about whatever. something? Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I won't shut up. <laughs> You, you brought up, oh, dude, I'm the same way. It's, uh, so much so that I had to build a platform with which to talk only myself. <laughs> so you, you brought up something super cool, and that was that you had the twins mm -hmm. and that your mom went into remission. Yes. And it is not a coincidence in my, mm -hmm. you know, outside looking in. Mm -hmm. Children are, they're a dose of happiness. Yes. That's 10 times chemo. Mm -hmm. That's just that kind of energy and that life. Yes. I can only assume that that was something that gave her a renewed outlook. It did. More than anything. It did. More than it anything. Did. Yes. Yes. And I fully agree. I mean, whatever anyone's beliefs are, you know, working amongst the universe or whatever that the ultimate belief is, is that there was just something that just really clicked. And it was such a welcoming and inspirational year to be able to have my mom be the grandma that she always wanted to be and to just have her and my mom, which is my mom's mom. Um, she's a breast cancer survivor. My mom is. And, um, you know, just to be able to have those four generations and be able just to go out somewhere and the oohs and the ahs and just having that. Oh, time yeah, that's like, a, that's like a TikTok, right? You know, yeah. that one where like every generation <laughs> keeps coming by. I see those all the time. Or when somebody has like 15 male or female children. I'm like, oh, right. It, that looks yes. nightmarish. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I know. I know. I know. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So, but yeah, it was, it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. And then right around the time that the girls turned one is when my mom's cancer came back. And this time it was metastatic stage four and it took over and it just went into a whirlwind of everything and something that we were not aware of. And I even researched 504 of my mom's medical documents after she passed just to kind of gain some more internal knowledge for myself to be able to inform my daughters too as to, you know, possible health things that could come down yeah, the road. Yeah, because that is, that is definitely genetic. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, my mom's mom had it. My, my mom's paternal grandmother had it. I mean, it just, yeah, for sure. So um, just researching into it. And I didn't know that chemo doesn't go to the brain. And my mom said that she didn't know. So I, I'm unaware if she really actually knew or if she just kind of so let me, it out. Let me ask here. Do you mean yes. that it doesn't cross like the blood brain barrier or something along Correct. that lines? So it still can Correct. work on tumors and things like that, but yes. it's not entering beyond that. Is that Correct. okay? Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know all the technical terms because obviously I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> um, right. I just didn't I want anybody to ask or, yeah. or to chime yes. in that you uh -huh. can't use chemo on brain tumors. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> right. That's not the case. And this is back in 2012. Well, if you look <laughs> so, at the bottom of the logo, yes. at the bottom of the logo, it says non-purist column. Do you know what that means? I have no idea. I'm not foreign in Latin. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is Latin for not an accredited school. Yes, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so any information that comes from this place is not accredited. Yeah, I am no way accredited with it. I'm just a caregiver that learned things along the way. So you, you did the research. Yeah, for sure. So um, the radiation, my mom had to have that, and that's what really started zapping a lot of the tumors too and things along that line. But um, you know, you're talking about with kids and that spark and being able to help become the best medicine that there can be for many people. And being that my mom was a teacher, she actually taught until March of 2014. So as you know, she passed in June of 2014. And she she taught until March of 2014 with over 20 tumors on her brain. And still, whenever she walked into her classroom, room 314, she just was back to it again, just like she never missed a step. But as soon as those kids were gone, all the energy was gone too. And she just, the life was just completely sucked out of her. But if a student walked in during lunch, she was right back on it again. It was, it was incredible. She, she was very much a caregiver and wanted to provide for everybody else. And 
unfortunately that that did cause a little bit of a misstep to her demise being that she just was so wanting to care for everybody else and not have anyone care for her that she just missed all the warnings with it. I would assume that, you know, of course, you know, your mother and you know, the situation better than anybody outside looking in. I, I, I see so many different things. Um, I see someone that just loves to give to the extent that she does not worry about herself in any manner because she derived all of her happiness and love from giving to others. Correct. Correct. Um, I also I also heard that it seems like you feel kind of guilty for her not wanting to tell you because she would be a burden. Is that the case? Now it's not. It was. It was at one point. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it was the way you described it. And how did you, that's, that's very important because a lot of people, um, they have these positions that they take when the loved one passes away where they want to grab onto all of the things that they could have prevented, all of the things that they could have done wrong and all those types of things. And they become a victim of somebody's death. And I see you not as a victim because you've, you've kind of turned that. And can you explain how you step away from that victim mentality when you lose a loved one like that? Sure. So I don't have a precise recipe for it. Sure. I, <laughs> I can say from my own personal experience, from my own opinion, one of the things that my mom did not want buried with her was to have the fact of cancer took her life and that she was, she fell victim to cancer. She did not want that. And I told her, I said, you didn't, you survived and you're going to survive. And that was one of the things that brought her peace was to know that it wasn't cancer that took her. It was her time to go. So one of the things that she had told me before she. Aren't those one in the same? Aren't those one in the same? I think we need to accept that. They, they, you know, time to go is uh-huh. that moment. Uh, we seem to fear it so much and we put so much price on it, but it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is. And she's, her terms is her terms. Correct. And that was the big thing too. And she wanted, the biggest thing that she wanted people to take away from, and when I say people, I mean directly towards me and more that I've discovered after her passing, I do personally feel that she would have wanted to spread the word more to take care of yourself. You have to, you have to take care of yourself. It's just like when I was a flight attendant telling everybody, you've got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on anybody else. It's the same type of philosophy. You've got to take care of yourself first so that way you can take care of others. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, everything's going to start falling apart. So that's something that- 100% right. Yeah, it's something. It's so cliche, I know. You are worthless to the world if you are not taking <laughs> right? care of yourself. That yes. is the first and foremost. You cannot provide adequate care to other people uh-huh. if you do not care and love yourself. We always say, you know, no matter what religions or backgrounds there are, we can pretty much, we can all subscribe to the small- tenants like do unto others and things like that as you would you know have done unto you but we don't do unto ourselves how we're trying to do unto other people Mm -hmm, like it just doesn't work that way because everything that you give somebody is going to be a mirror it's Mm -hmm. going to be every time so you have to do unto yourself first before you can give anything to anybody else basically you're just giving everybody the shit you give yourself yeah what's that worth i don't want it right you know why don't you work on yourself then come back with something that I can mirror that you will love. Yes. If you show it to me, I'll show it back to you, and any other human will do it. Mm-hmm. It's just how it works. It's a it's it's a game. Yeah, it is. It is. It's peekaboo with smiles. It is big time, and that's something too as a caregiver that really weighed heavily on me was that I didn't want to step away from my mom whatsoever. And I was by her bedside. There were days, it started off at about 12 hour days. And then it started going to the maximum was about 18, 19 hour days. And I just did not want to leave her bedside. And that's one of the things that I like to promote as a former caregiver is to be able to tell people, you've got to take care of yourself too. There's nothing wrong with it. That person that needs your assistance and needs your help too, they want you to be able to take care of yourself too. So that's that's always a crucial step too. You've got to take care of your health. You've got to make sure that, you know, going out for a walk or having a meal for yourself or, 
you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go out and get a Rolls Royce or nothing. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about just taking a few minutes to yourself. Yeah. Uh, everybody tends to place material items and not that, you know, yeah. you can't get yourself or spoil yourself every now and then, but they place yeah. material items as the way that they want to give themselves some kind of pleasure or reward or whatever it might be. But mm -hmm. they they don't realize or we're not paying attention enough to the fact that the thing we really need is peace of mind. Peace yes. of mind more than anything because we're a victim. I mean, you can't walk away from the situation that you were in without some form of PTSD or repeated mm -hmm. PTSD daily. To look mm -hmm. at a family member or a friend or any human dying daily is is not anything that has been promoted in society healthily. So mm -hmm. when we do look upon it, we tend to have a very skewed view of the ending of life. When mm -hmm. in fact, it's just as perfect as the beginning. And if we, if we did have that understanding, we would not be as fearful or look away from it so hard so that we put people in caregiver situations where they don't get taken care of the same way and where they're left yes. not out of sight because they're not cared about out of sight because we don't want to look at what's going to happen to us and then that means we have to take care of ourselves and be grateful for what we have now and we're not going to do it we're not going to do it and we need to right yes yep and i fully agree i fully agree with you I don't know. The best way to describe this for me is that uh, when you see someone sacrifice themselves in such a manner like you have, um, it's it's admirable. And I also have I, I feel for you because I know coming out of that, it can be a spiral, a cycle of thoughts where you repeat all of the things that happened and all of the things that could have happened. And at this point, it looks like you've channeled it into uh, the ability to speak to people through your show and, uh, you know, reach out. Is that where you found that you've been called towards? Yes. Yes, that is correct. Where one of the aspects is to be able to help others. And my mom was so great at that. And if I can be 50% of what my mom was, then I would be very happy. And just to be able to... I'm sure she would say that you were 150% of her. <laughs> She probably would, but, <laughs> but she was my mom, so she would, she would, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, but they know you that here's the thing. We always discount what mothers think of their children or we say it's because it's their mom. Why don't we assume that they have the best knowledge of that human being to maybe be able to make that call? So she knew you better than probably anybody else. She did. She did. Mm -hmm. Give yourself credit. Remember, it also <laughs> is when we love ourselves and we take time for ourselves, we also have to reward ourselves with how we feel about who we are. Correct. Correct. I mean, it's one of those that I still have my days. Obviously, I'm just coming out of one of those moments being that my mom's anniversary just passed. So I was in a very big depression hole for about two or three weeks, just knowing that I was going to be okay. But just every time that season comes up, it just it really weighs heavily on me. And like you said, the the reoccurring thoughts come in and the peaceful ones stick with me, such as like I've said before on my Instagram story too, was that my mom's final four words were thank you, love you. I mean, how amazing are those final four words? That is... Do, do you get anything more perfect? Right, right. There's so many movies wrapped around the last words of a dying person <laughs> and how it makes people feel. I'm yeah. going to just, I'm going to tell you, if, if I have last words, I will say those, but then I'm going to say something that just makes everybody can question what the right. hell I ever did in life. I need to really work on this. Yeah, and and yeah. Come up with, I'm just going to say some it. random shit. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I really love the second drawer of the refrigerator. And then just die. <laughs> Right. And people be like, what the fuck is he doing? Is it lunch meat? Is it is that what he referring to his heart? His, his head's right. the first drawer? This guy's a nut. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna blow it up. I'm gonna say some stupid shit. And you, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't something stupid that my mom said, but prior to her passing, she kept asking me continuously for about over a month before she passed, where's the yellow rose? And she kept asking me, where's the yellow rose? And her and I, we had we had a fun little twisted sense of humor too. And I'm like, mom, I gave you too much morphine apparently. You just need to back it down a bit. 
And <laughs> she, I'm like, I have no idea where the yellow rose is. And I remembered that she had ordered a Lennox figurine for my ma, her mom. And it was a yellow rose and it was supposed to come in for Mother's Day and it did not arrive before my mom passed. So I kept it. I thought, well, that, that must be it. And I kept asking her, I'm like, mom, are you talking about the figurine that shorter? She's like, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. Where's the yellow rose? Did you find the yellow rose? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so she kept grabbing onto my right shoulder and she would pull every once in a while. Where's the yellow rose? I'm like, I don't know where the yellow rose is. Do you want me to get a tattoo? Because you know, I will. And that's of course I what I did. It. Was that when I got the yellow rose? I'm of like, course. mom. Yeah. So of course, freshly done. And she grabbed onto it and she's like, that's pretty. No, did you find the yellow rose? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're a crazy woman. I have no idea. And, and that, that is what I literally told her. And then she would just give me the infamous mom look of, you know, you're not yeah. going to catch me off guard. Cause uh, like I said, making jokes in awkward situations <laughs> are, are my method to survival. I can't handle intense, <laughs> awkward situations. I've told this on the on the show before. My uncle Javier, he was an amazing dude. So <laughs> funny, constantly cracking jokes. He fought cancer for like four years, stage four liver and colon. Like he was on yeah. everything you could possibly do to survive. But at the end, he had you know he had that like um, I guess it's called like ascites or ascites or something like that is the pronunciation where you get that fluid okay. buildup. And uh, oh, he had yeah. to, yes. and he was, yes. you know, he had to go in and get like a port and all that kind of stuff. And I, uh-huh. I, you know, joking, I joked, I said, so you, so you got popped like a high C. And he, <laughs> and he started laughing and he's grabbing his side. He's like, you're an ass. Stop it. He's like, it's too right. funny. But he's trying not to laugh because I was like, uh-huh. I'm like, they had to pop you like a high C. And he's like, oh my God. Because I, I can't, I can't deal with it, right. you know? Right. But at the right. same time, yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. And so with the whole yellow rose thing, what was interesting was um, after she had passed and it was over the summer and I was starting to go through all the boxes. Now, mind you, being the only child, you know, those big, large moving boxes that you can get at U-Haul? Yes. She had 18 of them. So one for each year through 18 years. And then after that, I, I guess I downsized to a medium sized moving box. So I'm having to scour through all of these, me and my poor husband, Dexter, and one of my mom's former students came out and, you know, we're all trying to scour through all the stuff that she saved and she saved like everything. And She's a teacher. Teachers save everything. Yes. Teachers are predisposed to keeping every damn memento on the planet. It could be a scribble on a receipt and it's going to exist. Yes. Yes. And so in one of her drawers was a banker box. Now, of course, some people may not know what a a banker box. Oh, okay. Like a metal box with the key? No, it is a cardboard box that has a cardboard lid on it. And it has like, you can still probably find them in medical offices and attorney offices and things like that, where that's where they hold a lot of documents and things. So going ahead and opening this box and inside. Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now back to class were 11 years worth of her writing that no one ever knew about. And in it, she had five different stories that she was working on. And the major story that she was working on, of course, involved a yellow rose that had turned red. And it was a very symbolic, romantic romance novel, as you've probably seen on, on my stories, too, that my mom had her picture taken with Fabio with the romance novel. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. When, know, when right? I read How that story, <laughs> I almost peed my pants. I'm like, I wanted to. I loved her in that moment immediately. <laughs> Yes, yes, with her little red, like, 90s shorts. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So she was big in her romance novels, and she loved them. And she was a writer on the side, and that is what I went to school for. So I now am working on finishing her Yellow Rose of a story 
it's not going to be anything romantic. So I, I was hope about she to say, yeah, that. you can't, you can't uh, no. proceed with your mother's romance. That's weird. No. You can't finish. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. That's no. that's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what was bizarre was that I knew about one of the people that she was writing about in the story. So I personally contacted this individual. And told this person, hey, listen, you are you are one of the main characters of my mom's book. This is what my intentions are. I plan on ghostwriting my mom's book. It's not going to be a romance novel whatsoever. Sorry, I'm all about chicken nuggets and Netflix. And <laughs> it's going to be more, <laughs> more about a what-if situation if she had chosen her first option of the way that she actually wanted to live her life versus the way that she, the the choices that she did make. So I spoke with this individual and said, I found the letters. I know about, you know, stuff, the connections that you two had and things that were going on. So I just want permission from you. I'm not going to include your name, not going to, you know, (laughs) this is your address. This is your home address. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to do any of that, but are you comfortable if I go ahead and continue on with the story? And if I do have any questions, can I reach out? And this individual was just very taken back and was very honored and said, of course, whatever that your mom was working on, I, I support her with it. I said, okay. So that's my ultimate life goal is to be able to ghostwrite that book. But if I don't, one of my girls will. <laughs> so I've already passed that on. <laughs> I'm sure you will finish it. I'm positive you'll finish it. So it's funny. You, you chose a um, skewed reality for her where, she, do you feel like that uh, her writing was an escape to a place that she would have also loved to have been able to to be? Yes, because in the household that her and I were growing up in, it was very emotionally, physically, sexually abusive. It was a very negative household in which her and I were only allowed to express our positivity. We could only feel happiness. And being that my mom grew up in a very loving and thriving family and having to shift gears, but because she was a caregiver, she wanted to care for those living in the household and put up with a lot of crap, but tried to protect me from it and felt that it was best if she tried to take care and protect me, but also make other people better when there was, they were really lost causes. So, um, yeah, my mom's writing definitely That's a difficult role. Mm, Pardon? That's a difficult role. That's a difficult role for a mother to be in. And it makes a lot more sense when you, uh, when you talk about how she addressed her, um, you know, her cancer at the end there, because I mean, why, why would you do anything but that when you've spent your entire adult life protecting your child and mirroring something called happiness? Mm -hmm. She's got no other mechanism. She was getting all of her happiness from the kids and you guys, and then everything else. I mean, to be that's living at the height of adrenaline 24 mm-hmm. 7 to protect your child mm-hmm. it's no wonder she got cancer whether it's genetic yeah. or not yeah it, it, people don't give any um credit to what the emotional state of someone is over long periods of time and what kind of havoc it can wreak mm-hmm. on health and, and create all these other issues yes and, I, I'd say that she used up her time protecting you. She did. I mean, that's she did that's, for sure. That's an amazing human being. Oh yeah, it's an amazing human being. And you brought up another topic as well. And I thought we we were going to talk about this anyway. Um, you're also a survivor of emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. Yes. Um, is that part of uh, is that part of what your show is is to address as well? Being a survivor of that type of thing. I have covered too much into that. I just received my certification to be a life coach. So that is something that I'm looking to, um, I'm trying to find the word. I can't find the word for it, but um, something that I want to dive further into to be able to help individuals one-on-one. And so that way people don't feel so alone. I haven't really covered too much of the topic just because individuals- very triggering. It is. It is. It is. For both internal and external. It's exhausting for me to be able to really, like, I've got to pretty much plan my whole day and know, okay, I have a couple hours where my energy is going to be spent and that's going to be it. But 
if it helps out others, I'm perfectly fine with it. So as long as it's not energy wasted, I'm fine with it. Kudos to you for knowing yourself in that manner because a lot of people will burn themselves Mm -hmm. in an attempt to heal a wound incorrectly Mm -hmm. Um, because just giving back does not heal a wound. No. Um, it, It takes internal work first. It does. It does. Big, big time. Big time. And just growing up in that type of abusive household and situation led me to... Before meeting my husband, before meeting Dexter, um, led me to abusive relationships, obviously, because that's all that I knew. I thought that this was love. I thought that, you know, you get manhandled and tossed around and smacked around and treated poor. I thought that that was normal. I thought that that's just the way that you show that, you know, someone loves you and you just take it. And that's that's what I thought. It, it becomes a life. It becomes it a life. It becomes mm-hmm. a personality. It becomes so many different things. Victim, it's a very broad term. Mm-hmm. Like victim, victim mentality is not necessarily just feeling like that you've been abused by someone else. The victim mentality can also be a badge with which we hide our ability to get better behind. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is. It, this is a, this is always a rough one to say. Um, the, it's easier to remain a victim than it is to be, become a survivor or a thriver. And that's not in any way, shape, or form to say that somebody isn't capable or is not in a situation that they should feel the pain that they feel. Absolutely. However, um, it is at a certain point once the human mind or the uh, once we've gone through what we're supposed to go through, it's then a choice as to whether or not it stays the reality that you live in. Um, Correct. Because it's not good to repeat the same things that happen to you in your mind over and over and over again. But it's certainly easier than finding out why you do all the other things you do as a result. That's Correct. what people are afraid of. They, nobody knows that. But that's what they're afraid of. Yes. Because there's side effects to being abused, and they're not pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They are side effects that make people do some really shitty things. Oh, all yeah. abuse. They make you become narcissists. They make you become assholes. They make Uh you do things that you would not do as a human or had you been raised as a child through a different, you know, situation. What we don't realize is those humans are just as fucked up. It's across the board. It's so bad. But I, I, I always stress that I want people to find that survivor capability to switch that flip from victim to survivor, you know, and and start to live life that direction because it is possible. No matter no matter what happens, because it's never yesterday. Mm-hmm. It just simply isn't. Correct. But we'll we'll recycle it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And unfortunately, two of the people that abused me, that's what happened with them. They grew up in that situation. And it was one of those two that, you know, I even spoke with them directly and told them, why don't you get help? Oh, I don't need any help. I'm fine. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. It's all with you. You're the problem. Like, you know, of course, me looking back now, I'm like, what in the world? But of course, me at that time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I must have done something wrong. And then that just feeds into the narcissism and the psych, you know, and this uh, uh, psychoactivity. And yeah. It just, yeah. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle, and it's one of those that you need to know how to break it and how to come out stronger in the long run. And 20 years ago, I would not have been able to just sit down and openly talk about all of this because I tried to talk about it to other people before. And I talked to a classmate of mine in high school, for example, who I thought that I was decent friends with. I wasn't popular. I wasn't like I didn't. I mainly sat in my car for lunch and ate my Wendy's chicken nuggets by myself, and I was just I was one of those. And solid um, lunch, right? But here's the question: Are they the spicy ones or the regular ones? They were regular. I'm a Michigander. I'm sorry, my bland taste buds. I got a kindergarten diet. I have to maintain. Oh, your happy sauce and chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, toddler diet. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so I I went ahead and I confided in this other student and um, told her about what happened. And she said, oh, if I were you, I would have just killed myself by now. And she didn't know that I already tried twice to take my life by that time. So it's it's like, okay, well... I'm not going to talk to you anymore about it. And other people that I did 
kind of leak out some information and trying to grasp onto straws from for additional help and things like that, they too were going through their own demons at home or internally and things like that too. So it just it's like it cancer. Was one of those... It's like cancer in a family. Yeah. It spreads yeah, it really throughout is. it and it and it neutralizes yes. people's capabilities all throughout the family. It's it's yeah. a genetic and, and, and hereditary issues that, that just keep going through and retaught and and not given that open forum to discuss. I can I, it's always so sad to hear when someone's reaching out for help in an abuse situation and people are turning their heads. But again, I you know, I always I, I like to point out that um I think that everybody's going through something that to the degree that, again, looking at somebody else's situation and making the judgment that it's worse than our own means that we have to be grateful for where we are. And that is very hard to do when the pain that we feel in our own situation is just as painful because the mind right. doesn't know the difference between horrible, you know, attacks and semi-horrible attacks. It just knows it got attacked and it's going to hold on to that. So people just want to hold on to their victimhood because they deserve it. They deserve it, but they don't have to give it away in order to help somebody else. And that's something that we don't explain, you know, that it's okay to be hurt and empathize with other people that are yes. hurt. Like you're not yep, going to, exactly. a victim's not going to look down on you because you are hurt too. Right. Right. Exactly. I, I, so where did you end up finding this help? Talking to my mom. My mom was my, was my lighthouse. So she was able to, um, just through stories of her being able to tell me what her childhood was like. And as I was getting older, but you know, older, I say in my late teens by this time, um, her and I started realizing the drift that was happening within the household. And she would start telling me that there were better things out there and that her and I, we can always confide in each other. If we feel sadness or anything other than happiness, we were still allowed to talk to each other and tell each other about what was going on. And my breakaway was when she used to tell me that she would love to move to Florida and her and I, we actually took classes at Oakley University together up in Michigan. We had three classes together, one of which we actually got separated because we were talking too oh, much. Oh, I got separated. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got the special desk all the time. I lived at that desk all the time. Yeah. Look at a corner, shamed, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when the professors had to separate us. So, um, you know, we, we were able to have those moments together and... When she graduated from college, I was still in my freshman year, and I surprised her with a trip to Disney World. And when we came on down to Disney World, then I saw one of the little name tags, and it had one of the little university things underneath the cast member's name. And she, this cast member informed me about the Disney World college program. So I thought, oh, that'd be so cool. So I was talking to my mom about it. And one thing led to another, and about eight or nine months later, I was accepted into the Disney World College program, which was so exciting, but at the same time, horrible, because I'd never been far apart from my mom. My mom and I, we were inseparable. If Maybe we spent maybe a couple hours apart, and that was really about it. I know that it was just one of those... You got to cut the umbilical cord sometime, but it was horrible, and I missed her. <laughs> well, she was your best friend, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was. So when I got accepted into the Disney World College program, and um, I did the extended program for eight and a half months, and it was great because I was able to come on down from Michigan, and nobody knew my backstory. Nobody knew of anything about me, and it was phenomenal, and I could actually talk to other people, and... There were so many people that were just walking around that were like broken pieces of puzzles too. And we were all coming together at this time and just forming our own little community of friendship and our own little, I mean, it's so magical, but <laughs> our own little magical family. And when I got accepted into Walt Disney World as a full-time cast member, then three days later, my mom was already in Florida with the moving truck right behind her. Of course she so was. Of course she was. <laughs> Yes, yes. So from there, it was one of those that she just started blanketing and was able to put out her resume to other schools and things like that, just trying to land a teaching position. 
which she did. And her and I became roommates. And then from there, I went ahead and I um, started sitting down with her and having more heart to heart conversations and telling her, I just realized that I need to see someone that is completely third party, completely just licensed, accredited, certified, whatever, and speak to them to be able to talk to them about these triggers I'm having. And I don't understand how to express sadness. And I don't understand how to express anger and other emotions. And so that's what happened. So with her guiding light, she was able to connect me to a licensed therapist who was able to sit down. And it was just like all the lights came on inside of the building when I started talking to this therapist and things just started connecting. And I could understand things better and I could understand why I did the things that I was doing and why I was saying the things I was saying. And it, it just, everything just connected. So if it wasn't it's a for puzzle. Mom, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. It's a yes. puzzle. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing though, that um, if, if you were to uh, look at it from outside in and you had not changed locations, right. Mm-hmm. And everything else mentally, you decided to look that direction with your life. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing that honestly, zero changed except for your zip code? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. It was all a mental state, an energetic move, a feeling for a different future, an understanding that I am going to be a success now. I am going to be happy. I am, you know, I've cut this off from behind me. And that doesn't mean that you had all of that from day one, but at least you had that shift, that little bit of lean that gave you a chance to start running versus, you know, walking. And I, I, the therapy thing, I can't tell enough people how much they should be doing that. Yes. And I always, I always tackle on meditation. Mm, if you can yes. learn to meditate, yes. you can learn to meditate, you will change everything about your life. Yes, yes, big time. I you fully also agree. Forgive. Mm-hmm. You will forgive yourself, other people, so many things. Because not just, you won't even have to forgive them. It just becomes a non-issue. Mm, yes. Exactly, exactly. Which is always, always fun. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) When you get that release, that release is hard to get. It is. It's really hard to get. It is. So if you could could talk to um, young women in your situation or anybody in an abusive situation, what uh, what is the first piece of advice you'd give them? To go out and seek help and to be able to surround yourself with a positive environment that you want to thrive in. It's not anything to be ashamed of. It's it's nothing that, that you did wrong. You have the capability and the strength to be able to seek help from somebody else. So even if it's just someone that you can confide in just to start off with. And that's why I wanted to start life coaching. I wanted to be able to get into that. So that way, if I do have someone who is talking to me and... I realize that the life path that they want to take, I can still help them with, but along the way, they may need to have more licensed help and to have professional help. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think that the stigma is starting to fade away to have that professional guidance. Yes, which is so wonderful because like I said, 20 years ago, I would not have been able to talk about this as openly because I mean, I myself was not there yet. No, 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 absolutely Uh not. You know, the bullying, body dysmorphia, all that kind of stuff. You know, God bless that part of the internet, you know, with it bringing the awareness to it. And, you know, the generation that is really pushing to Mm -hmm. make that not be the status quo. And realizing that the people that are in these situations that are abusing people were victims at some point and they require mental health. You know, our, our prison system is full of people being punished and they're not being helped with the mental issues that put them there. Yes. Should they be there? That's a conversation for a whole (laughs) nother day. Not anything. I mean, I think right. we can all agree that they should be taken out of society and given help or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever other thing that you should be happening while they're in timeout. That's cool, you know, but we have to we have to attack it from both ends. Yes. We have to we have to yes. we have to wipe the slate all the way across the board 
and and help people just openly talk. You don't become a perpetrator if you had a chance to talk when you were a victim. Right, exactly, you exactly. Know? But generationally, I think we're opening up that divide. I think we're opening yes. that gap. And I think that existential crisis that everybody went through with the pandemic, really, uh, it really brought awareness to the fact that you got to put up or shut up. You really yeah. you can only yes. lay on the floor for so long crying and shaking yeah. before you start to look like a fucking nut, right? Mm -hmm. You can only do it for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, eventually you got to stand up and go, okay, maybe I got to figure out why I'm here. Some people, it takes a lot longer, but eventually you're going to start reaching for these apps. You're going to start calling your friends because you can't lay there forever. You're not going to physically right. die. So what do you do? Yeah. Eventually, you're going to have to stand up and go, where's that switch? Is it going to go yes. from victim to survivor? One, It's got to be one or the other. And uh -huh. I think that we're actually getting a chance now. I think that people yes. are opening their eyes and they're having compassion and empathy and they're caring for others and they're seeing that it's okay. And I, I feel for our older generation and I see why. Mm -hmm. I understand why they're not going to, a lot, are never going to come to terms with the fact that th what happened to them in their lifetime shouldn't have happened. Because mm -hmm. they, right. in doing so, they have to admit that maybe some of the things that they did wouldn't be uh, the way they should. And there's, we got to not shame them. And if there is a chance Correct. for them to get that opportunity to get some help, you know, and, and enjoy whatever time is left, fuck yeah! Yes. Because again, yes, exactly. it's a choice. Your, yep. your mental state is not defined by a zip code. Exactly. I'm super proud of you, and I'm proud to be a friend of yours, and, and for someone that's so strong, and, and showing such a, setting such a great example for your twins, which, by the way, that's a that's a miracle and in and of itself. I, I couldn't imagine <laughs> two screaming at once plus Dexter. It was a BOCO sale. It was a BOCO sale. I know. Yeah. <laughs> plus Dexter. I mean, what the hell? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, tell him, tell him I hope he's doing well. Um, and uh, yes, I will for sure. Why don't you go ahead and plug your uh, podcast one more time? It is. Jennifer Menendez. Hey, super hey. easy. And where can everybody find you on social media? They can find me on TikTok, on Instagram at Jennifer.Menendez, M-E-N-E-N-D-E-Z dot 522. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thank uh, we're you. definitely going to be getting back on again. Um, yes, I would love I, to. I, I appreciate you. you. I and, appreciate um, you. Everybody, if, you, if you're hearing this, go, please go and download her show. Listen, um, sage advice and very, a lot of candor and a lot of humor, which is what we love here at the Tragedy Academy. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, starting in July, I'm going to do a new session for the month of July, which is entitled Lessons I Learned. So that's going to be based upon five different job backgrounds that I have accomplished and the lessons that I learned from them. And I've had some interesting jobs that are on my resume. So... <laughs> Oh yeah, you do. You're you're like me. You've you're you've done so many different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I like that though. I like to know a lot about you know everything and a little about one yes. thing or however it's yeah, said. I yeah, gotcha. uh, you can't. It's boring. Right. It's boring. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Jennifer. Thank I really appreciate it. All right, academics. Um, you remember you can reach out to us at show at thetragedyacademy.com. Send us an email if you want to be a guest or if you've got any stories you want to share with us. Um, and remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at tragedy underscore academy where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool, keep learning.
What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees. But I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.